Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Nelson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We are 24 hours and 11 minutes out from the start of the NBA Finals, Kevin. Hello. Hi. You were down there today doing an actual media day in person. You saw people play basketball. Um, did, did that get you like uh, into, oh, it's happening mode? It made me feel like the start of the season because we have media day at the start and media day is a very big me and you look at each other exasperated after 90 minutes of people talking and say, okay, what are we writing about? Because <laughs> it's like so much people talking audio quotes to, to sift through. That's kind of how it felt today. And then seeing everyone practice and being back at open practice, that felt like training camp because that's the first time you kind of see everyone practice. So that's how it felt being there for me personally. It was it was pretty weird, um, but fun. Uh, obviously, a lot of fun to be back in that environment. Um, and we're, we're nearly there, but the NBA Finals are approaching uh, between the Suns and Bucks, of course, of Milwaukee. Uh, just kind of want to have a free-flowing conversation, Kevin, on what comes to mind for us with this series, keys, uh, how teams are going to approach certain things, just what stands out to us, our, our way of watching basketball, and, and what is going to stand out from this series. I think we should just start by saying we'll address Giannis's status as unknown. It was kind of my hope is that we were going to record this podcast right before he uh, right after he it was announced what his status for game one was going to be. We did not get that break, unfortunately. Maybe it will happen during the podcast, but we're just going to assume. I'm going to be set, uh, speaking under the assumption that he's going to play at some point. Now, is that going to be game one, game three, game four, game five? I have no idea, but I just assume he's going to play at some point. Um, are you okay with that, navigating the conversation that way? Yeah, I mean, I think – just from what we know, he was he is trying to do stuff and he is able to do something what we don't really know um, since that's behind the scenes. But I'm also it might be a game or two games without him, but I, I think he's coming back if he doesn't come back in game one. Right. And obviously the the shift in narrative immediately becomes the Suns need to take advantage of every game that he misses and win those games, especially if they're at home. Uh, so moving on from that dull and boring conversation Kevin let me just ask you what when you found out the Bucks were the draw and then you had time to think about the series where did your mind gravitate the most in terms of how these two teams match up I mean I think at first it's easy just to go to how close their games going in this regular season right I mean it was a couple of one point games and to me at least that one on that started off that really tough road trip was an important moment for the Suns because it kind of was like they're were going to be able to compete against any team in this league. Um, the Bucks have been really good for a couple of years now. They're obviously looking different. Um, whether they have Giannis or not, 
Drew Holiday is a big piece in that, but we know how good Chris Middleton is. I think we've talked about extensively how much, how important he is um, and how underrated he is, I think, on both sides of the floor. Um, and you hit it on the head with your first preview piece about books' importance, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how they send their personnel at Booker because they have two really good defenders, I think, and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton who can defend Book. It's a matter of how you want to kind of deploy your resources, how you want to send your best offensive weapons also at the Suns' best offensive weapons. So I, I just think that's the best part of this matchup where, you know, Bud has some decisions to make as far as how he's using his guys and obviously Giannis being in or out has a lot to do with that too. Right. I, uh, people who are, <clears throat> people who are longtime listeners and, and readers of my stuff will know, and you know this about me that I really love the individual basis of uh, basketball in terms of just how guys match up and, this team having this guy to defend this guy, but then some that kind of stuff has just always been fascinating to me. And it extends to me beyond just sports and stuff. That's just kind of how my brain works. So when this, when this broke, I was just really excited because I think, first of all, Kevin, will you allow me to call Devin Booker an above average NBA defender? Because if you will allow me to do that, and we're assuming we're looking at the Bucks lineup as if Giannis is playing, we've got 10 team, we've got 10 good defenders in, in this in this series, the Bucks were number one in defensive rating in the playoffs, and the Suns were second. Would you agree? We can put book there on on average. Can I say yeah. average to above average? Yes, we can say that for sure. How he's been playing these playoffs? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so to me, that immediately shifts my brain towards more rock fights, more slugfests, that kind of thing. But then you look at the way these teams play offensively, how they like to play with pace, how Milwaukee spaces it out and really shoots threes unlike anyone else in the league. It it becomes this really fascinating series that I think a lot of people should just be excited to watch the games because I have no idea how they're going to unfold and which, which style is going to reign supreme essentially because it, are these teams going to be flowing more through their offense or through their defense? Because if both teams – don't come out with their A game offensively, the other team's defense is so good that it's going to bottle that up and, and make the game shift a certain direction, which is why I think this series is a lot more unpredictable than people will give it credit for. And I also think that you just look at it from a matchup perspective, going back to that again, you're talking about five good defenders on the Bucks, And when you look at, I, I know Lopez moves the way he does, but he is a very seasoned like well off kind of big man in terms of the way that he defends ball screens and knows exactly where to be in his timing and rhythm and stuff like that. He's a little bit slow, but he knows exactly where to be. And then you look at holiday Middleton Tucker, having those three guys to send on Booker more so Booker than Paul, but also Paul to a certain extent. And then Kevin, the Suns or the, the bucks could, if, if Giannis's leg is feeling good enough, they could put, Giannis on DeAndre and then start switching some of that stuff um, on ball screens. They could do a lot of different things. So to me, that's where my brain goes. And in terms of like me talking like hardcore analysis, like what does this actually mean for the series? I have a big old shrug for you. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see it to find out, but I think that it's going to lead to, we're not even just looking, I'm looking at it like checkers, Kevin, we're going to go to chess here in a bit, but 
from like the checkers standpoint of this series, I don't think it gets much better. It's it's really exciting for me. Yeah, the the longer this series goes, I think it's going to be a lot of feeling out where just in terms of individual matchups, again, I know they've obviously played against one another, but it's like, is PJ Tucker your backup center if you're in Milwaukee? And how can he hang against DeAndre? And like, we're going to look at that stuff. And then we're going to say, well, if he can spend time guarding DeAndre Aiden when Lopez is off the floor and survive, then suddenly they have a really switchable lineup. Just little things like that, I think, where just across the board, there are going to be things where we're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Or you find out that Dario Charge suddenly is kind of going to be able to be played in this series maybe because of that. Like, I don't know. It's just lots of things that could come out of playing someone a couple of times within a two-day period. Um, and if you look at the, ben- the bench of the Bucks, um, especially without Giannis, um, they're going to be forced into some weird situations basically just because Bud hasn't looked like he's really going to play um, too many guys off the bench. Um, like it's Jeff Teague, Connaughton, and Bryn Forbes. Um, and, and you kind of know what to get out of Teague, Connaughton, and Forbes. So to me, I think those – chess matchy things the faster the suns find out um the better they'll be and that's with or what without Giannis. but either way i i think the bucks's top five six players are really interesting pieces where you just don't you don't really know how you're gonna deploy them until you see what bud does yeah to to your point and to what i was talking about to start on the sun's offensive side of the ball the the gauntlet being thrown at Bud is essentially, again, a lot of it depends on if Giannis is playing, but who exactly, what exactly is he going to be doing against the Suns and denying their mid-range game as much as possible with their two ball handlers, not letting Booker and Paul get to their spots. We saw how Denver had a nightmare of a time trying to figure this out. We saw how the Lakers had a lot more success doing it. Paul's shoulder didn't help, of course, but they did well on Booker. The Clippers did a really great job on this, but of course Paul was injured for that too, but they did a great job on Booker in that one. And and for this, you look at the balance that they have up and down their team, how much, and, and Lopez traditionally being a drop big man, if you look at their stats over the course of the season, they allowed 33.3%, exactly a third of their shots from the mid-range that ranked 27th in the league in terms of how often, so the fourth most. And then if you look at the long mid-range area, which are shots Inside the three-point line from at least 14 feet out, they allowed the most of any team in in basketball this regular season. Uh, In the playoffs, they're still at the fourth most in terms of total mid-range shots, and then that long mid-range area, third most. They tweaked some things against Atlanta. They started to play a little bit more aggressively defensively and not just in a straight drop. Um, Typically in a series, we'll see them start with what they know, their bread and butter, which will be the drop, and Lopez will be in the right spot, and they'll figure it out and go from there. But I'm, I'm really interested to see adjustment wise. I know Budenholzer is a practically a meme at this point uh, with how people talk about how bad of a coach he is and all that kind of stuff, but he's obviously going to make quite a few adjustments and make them fast. So I'm interested, Kevin, like when does that chess match begin? Does it begin in like the second quarter of game one? Do the Bucks go with the drop coverage for the entire game? Do they throw the gauntlet right at the start of the game and switch everything? Does Lopez trap? Um, and again, I, I think it's really important that the Bucks, when Giannis is healthy and even when he's not, who, who would they start? You think Connaughton? Is that who they've been going to without him? I think. I mean, was- Portis has started alongside Lopez. Yeah. I mean, that's 
that's an interesting thing where you say, okay, that's probably going to change, I would think. Um, yeah, but to, to quickly finish that point, if you're trapping, you're still talking about my original point, Kevin, which was like, you got five good defenders, really good defenders. I mean, Drew Holiday is one of the best in the world. Giannis is one of the best in the world. Lopez is one of the best at his position. I think Middleton's really underrated on that, and I think he's good, and then we know how P.J. Tucker is on that end. So I think if they trap, I think they're going to be able to handle it a lot better than people think. So all this is making me sound like I'm making an argument for the Bucs to win, by the way. I still think the Suns are going to win this series, but I think that the way that the Bucs are going to be able to present problems to the Suns is a lot more apparent to me than you might realize when you look at these teams foundationally, the star power, Giannis's injury, depth, the coaching edge, things like that. I still think the Bucs are going to have a lot of uh, moments, Kevin, where they present problems. Yeah, absolutely. I think Giannis just being there, I mean, they don't, again, Lopez is what he is, but Giannis gives them just a backside defender where you're going to have problems, unlike the other two series, about getting a secondary actions, DA getting easy buckets off of that. And I think that's going to be interesting as far as whether Giannis is there or not. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this team is super well equipped to take a lot of Chris Paul and Devin Booker's stuff out. Um, uh, again, not completely out, but it's going to challenge them. And so that's again, the Mikel Bridges, the Cam Johnson's Jay Crowder's time to find who's on them again, depending on how they send stuff at the Suns key guys and um, make them pay, whether that's, you know, if Mikel is guarded by Bobby Portis or there are switches that get Bobby Portis on someone, um, can you take advantage of those moments? Can you do like the Denver series and target things um, in an aggressive fashion if you know how they're going to switch and where defenders are going to be? If the Bucks are smart and want to just continue where they let off in the Atlanta series or ended the Atlanta series, I should say, um, looking at the other side of the ball, we saw the Suns, especially was it in when did they get not embarrassed necessarily, Kevin, but got the got pretty handedly beat was a game five against the Clippers. The one where they allowed dribble penetration like over and over again. Was that game five? Yeah, that was. So, yeah. To that point, the Bucks and, and Monty mentioned this, they, they've put an emphasis on getting into the paint, and without Giannis, Drew Holiday was a real force driving the ball. They used Lopez a lot more on dives as opposed to just stay there in the corner, Brooke. We'll throw it to you if we need to. Yeah, He's he actually been cutting a lot more. Yeah, he didn't um, shoot that much from three the last few games. No, and, and, and to that point, the Suns, I guess their weakness defensively, Kevin, if I had to say one, would be dribble penetration. Now their ability to scramble once they need to off of that has been so amazing that they've still been able to have a really good defense despite their, um, I wish there was a stat, but their propensity to doing that and then giving up dribble penetration. I, I wonder, and going back to the matchups, what I wrote about in part one of that preview is that when you look at these teams and imagine those five playing, You've got Crowder on Lopez. You've got Aiton on Giannis. Bridges on Middleton. Tucker is – you probably want to hide Paul on him over Booker. And then that leaves Holiday, who has been great in the last couple of games and has really just been a strong driver. Book guarded him the most in, in the two games out of anyone. And to that point, the Bucks can not only look to attack one of the Suns' weaknesses as, as a defensive team, but also do it while targeting Booker as well uh, with Holiday. So I think yeah. Drew Drew, and Book are the two keys in this in this series for me because Drew is going to be able to guard. 
He's the biggest weapon in this series because he there are four premier offensive players in this series, and he can guard both of them on the Suns and guard them almost better than just about anyone. The guys who really know this stuff, uh, Dame and Kevin Durant, both said on J.J. Reddick's podcast they think he's the best defender among guards. So it, he's going to be there, and then obviously Book is going to be defending him, and then Book is going to have not only Drew on him, but Middleton on him, and Middleton is an underrated defender and just seems to have a good rhythm for what for what Book does. So it, those two guys are really interesting to me and where I look to shine the spotlight the most when it comes to, to players, which is weird to do when we know that Aiden-Giannis matchup is going to matter a lot coming yeah. down, but I think Drew and Booker could be just as important. I mean, I, you can tell me if you remember who – Chris Paul guarded, but just the rotations they've been using lately, there's not really a good little matchup for him. And I'm, I'm how not could you thinking, forget Dante DiVincenzo, my boy? Right? Like how dare you? How dare I'm, you? Okay, yeah, and he's not there, which is what I was wondering because I don't know who you put Chris Paul on, and he was not necessarily very good at keeping like Patrick Beverly from you know driving on him. So yeah, that's a different issue. Um, if, if it's Drew Holiday, then it's an issue. But if it's not Drew Holiday, I just don't know who it is. So that's going to be another interesting thing because I don't know where you stick him um, if, if Book's your best option on Holiday. I think this is such a – winnable is the wrong word because winnable would represent that like the Suns have a chance in this series. This series becomes so much more winnable for the Suns if their bench and their key role players are just playing well. Yeah. Because you rattled off those names, Kevin. If if the Cams have it going off the bench, like the Suns are just going to be in a beautiful position in this series to take it because they're the plus minus numbers for those guys when you're talking about like two or three Milwaukee starters and some reserves in there. Because again, you get to like Connaughton, Forbes is going to have to guard someone. And I assume he is going to be targeted. I, I think that's the big red target that the Suns are going to have on someone specifically in the series at the start. I think it's definitely going to be Forbes if we see him. Uh, Teague, I mean, same kind of thing, right? So I think that uh, looking at like individual players, the cams off the bench for sure. And then Mikel, Mikel and Jay, obviously, but just when we see those minutes with uh, Chris and the reserves at the start of the second, or we see other mixed in elements where two or three of those reserves are in for the Suns against two or three of the Bucks reserves, how much are the Suns winning those minutes and how much can they? Because I really attempted to reinforce there at the start how good I think the Bucks starting five is, especially with the way Lopez and Holiday have been playing lately. But the depth isn't really close, is it, Kevin? No, I mean... If you go and look at back to these old box scores of the two times they played before, I mean, Milwaukee was going a lot deeper in their bench, but there was the weird Jay Crowder had a 14 rebound game off the bench. Um, and, and in that same game, Frank Kaminsky had a 14, eight and eight line. Like he was a huge piece and he was a starter that game, but he played a huge role. And then the other game, I believe, yeah, I mean, you got 13 out of Cam Johnson. Mikel had a big 21-point game so on an 8-11 shooting. So they just I, – I know that the lineups are completely different now, but there were opportunities in those two games where the Stars, you can say, canceled each other out or whatever, and the Suns got really big contributions from some of their role players. Um, do you think – okay, Let's just hit on this part of the conversation quickly to get by it because I think that 
DA on Giannis is pretty simple. I'm I'm gonna have words up about it probably by the time you guys are listening to this. Where keep him out of the paint. DeAndre has the length, quickness, strength, all of that stuff to do it better than just about anyone. He did it really well in that second game, and Giannis still scored like thirty plus. He had forty seven. <laughs> in the first game like it's it's Giannis he's a monster um but if and and one of the things we can see coming here Kevin is there's going to be at least one game where Giannis gets DeAndre into foul trouble just with the whistle Giannis gets and the way that he makes it physical there's going to be a game where the whistle isn't where it should be and it's a little lighter and some of the bumps that DeAndre was able to take in that second game he won't be able to like he was in the first game where he got into foul trouble so I was curious for you if Giannis is is if DeAndre's in foul trouble and Giannis is in, they had Frank Kaminsky on him in that first game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't do that. Um, Jay Crowder, Tory Craig, just straight up double and pray the rotations are there. What do you, what do you think there? I think Tory earned it. Like people were yelling, clamoring for him in that Clipper series against, I know that Paul George is super different, but he's just the big wing. You, you got him for a reason. He played against Giannis in practice all year long. Um, I mean, if Jay's playing well, yeah, but I think Torrey Craig's a guy you got to consider going to in this one, just because he has the experience. No, you know, Mikel, Cam Johnson, Jay even aren't, I don't think they're as sturdy as far as just taking a Giannis shoulder and not just flying 30 feet the other direction. You know what I mean? So I'd say Torrey Craig's the guy I'd go to. What's your feel uh, on the series? I don't really have um, much else to anywhere else to really take it. I think that um, – do you want to talk about Milton and Bridges, like your thoughts on how Mikel has defended him and how Mikel has played this postseason? Because I think if we get all NBA Chris Middleton in this series, it's obviously going to be a different series. And it's, it, that's the Middleton we've been getting in the postseason. He's been tremendous. Yeah, I mean – I don't really know what to say about Middleton other than that guy probably should get the ball late in games, um, as has been talked about endlessly. Um, he, he's a guy who I, I think he doesn't have the flashes like Booker, but if there's a handful of like five guys who you want to have end of game shots like Book and him, I would consider putting them in there. Like he's that, I think he's that good. Um, Mikel obviously hasn't had the postseason that you'd want necessarily from an offensive standpoint. And the Clippers series is not a good series for him to play as far as defensively, just because I think he doesn't match up with those guys super well, but this is his chance. I think he can have some big moments in this one. Not that he didn't against the Clippers because he always had one big shot or rebound or something, but I think he can have, you know, 48 minutes of playing time in the game and just being absolutely a terror against Middleton and making a huge statement. So, yeah, I think that's something we can talk about as far as keys and all that stuff. Yeah. He's if Mikel gets back on track with the player that he was for pretty much the entire season, I think in the Clippers series, he, he wasn't that great in the Denver series. He was okay. And then the Lakers series, he really bounced back after a slower start, I, I believe off the top of my head. So I think he's he's a big guy not only in terms of just how he can defend Middleton because I think people don't understand just Chris Middleton's flat out just one of the best scorers in basketball. It, he can score everywhere and just has a really good handle for his size and is just 
that step or two below Kevin Durant, obviously, like every other scorer is that's ever existed. But he's in that branch of like real size and handle ability, um, that combination and, and like shooting ability too. those three things together. It's just you're talking about an unstoppable guy. And that's what he can be, especially when he gets hot. Uh, it's time for the prediction. Everyone wants to hear, Kevin, how many seconds does Giannis take on his first free throw? He's been a consistently what? 11, 11, and 11 to 12. It seems like, yeah. Uh, I need to look up. Is there, is there a bet on this? This is probably in base. Oh man, there right. probably is. You're right. Probably I'm just going to be watching Chris Paul the entire time. <laughs> wonder if he's going to actually count it out on his fingers and hold them in front of the ref. <laughs> like what exactly he's going to do uh, during those moments. What do you got sons in uh, how many? Yeah. I mean, this is another one where I just, there's so much talent. I'm, I think I'm betting on it because of the Suns' depth and Giannis not being 100%. I hope he's healthy and doesn't get hurt anymore if he does come back. Yeah. Um, I'll say Suns in six because, yeah, I I see them having just good matchups. I see this being a great series, but I think that team, they they've seen success. We've seen it over more than even this season. DA has played Giannis really well. I, I think that's going to be just enough. Yeah, I've got, I've got that as well. I would have said Suns in seven, just a basic coin flip with the close edge to the Suns. If Giannis was 100%, I think the series is a lot closer than you would think. It, that's kind of what I've been trying to convey here the whole time. But a, a big factor in the series, Kevin, and – I know people have been debating this. I think it showed in the Clippers series, but the fact that they didn't draw a team like Brooklyn or another team that has NBA finals experience, I believe the the sat right is that Jay Crowder is the only guy in the series who's played in the finals before. Yes. I, I believe that's, that's the thing. So they could have drawn Brooklyn where you've got guys like Kyrie and Katie who have won rings already and been in those situations. Um, or they could have drawn another team. Obviously the Lakers was one they drew earlier where I think experience in that stage could have been something uh, that really was a difference. But uh, I mean, Lopez holiday, Giannis, those guys have been on in big playoff series before. So I guess there's a slight edge there um, and Middleton as well. But I, I think that, any edge there isn't really it's not really going to be a detriment to the Suns. Like when the game gets lost and crazy and wild, both teams are gonna get swallowed by it a bit like it typically happens, as opposed to one team like rising up with poise. And the Suns have, have barely gotten lost in that anyway. But I I would have predicted it to be a pretty big um a pretty big factor for them if they were to make the finals. But now with the draw that they got, I don't really think that's the case and plays into why I'm picking them Suns and six for sure. I think I think Book's just going to be great, by the way. I just want to say that before I go, and I, I wrote that he's going to be the X factor, but I think the way that he's going to be pushed in this series with with those guys is, is really is really going to push him even even further into being great with Middleton and Holiday on him and having to guard Holiday. It's going to be the toughest basketball he's ever played, but I think it's going to we're going to get the right edge out of him. Should we be worried about Chris Paul's hand, by the way, Kevin? No one's talking about this before we go. Played through it well the last game, but he also said hand, wrist, fingers, so I don't know what it is, but it doesn't matter. I don't know. Not been able to get clarification on this, but what I believe is the case is that game three, he messes up the hand, and then he has his finger safe for games four and five because of that. 
um, because we saw him fiddling with his hands in game three, too, and picking at it. Um, He takes the fall from Patrick Beverly where he lands on his wrist, his left wrist, I believe. That was in game five, and then he talked about getting an MRI before game six on his wrist. So I believe he was dealing with a wrist thing from that fall. That is my read on what is happening. But so his whole yeah. hand is messed up is what you're saying. It's not just one thing. Two different hands. Right. <laughs> Both. Okay. So, well. yeah, I it, he played so great in game six that I think it kind of went overshadowed. But, I mean, if we see a, a similar performance for him from games like three to five in game one, then I think it starts to become a conversation piece again. I just wanted to mention it before we go. But, um I, I mean, he, he should be he should be fine, and I think he will be fine for the most part. It's, the shoulder injury was so much more worse for him in terms of actually limiting what he could physically do. This is just um, a different kind of injury, I think, not as, not as bad for his performance, at least in my unprofessional, not medically licensed, <laughs> licensed opinion. Uh, all right, I mean, we'll be back here in what? 29 hours 30 hours from now we'll be recording from somewhere inside phoenix suns arena after game one kev that sound like a plan to you you will be wait you're not there no why who did this who do i who do i speak to outrageous that's a bummer okay well maybe wednesday then (laughs) we'll figure it out you guys will be here when uh when we are and we'll be here too because that's how podcasts work so i'm I got to stop talking now. All right. Bye, everyone.